Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this week's podcast, we've got a solo one. I think it's slightly different to what we usually cover. And I wanted to share my experiences of personalized care planning. And I'm sharing this from the perspective of a mum caring for a daughter who is living with type 1 diabetes. And to give this podcast a little bit of structure, I wanted to just quickly share the kind of our experience of when we first found out Talia had type 1 diabetes. I wanted to share a not so good personalised care planning experience that we had when Talia first had her first care plan when she was in primary school. And then I wanted to share with you where I am today and how we are preparing for Talia to go into secondary school. And I'm just sharing this with the main objective of sharing my lived experience with the hope that it will help or it could help a child, a parent or a healthcare professional clinician in the future undertaking this experience and also if any of you work at schools or any of you could pass this on to somebody that works at a school, I think just hearing my perspective could be helpful. So I have got three children, Talia who is 11 Layla, who is 13, and Tia, who is 15. Talia was diagnosed when she was five. I always say on Christmas Eve, but it was actually Christmas Day. It was like five in the morning on Christmas Day. She was really, really poorly, and we got blue lighted into first our local hospital, and then we ended up being transferred to the Evelina. She was in DKA. She was in a really, really bad way. And DKA is short for diabetic key acetosis it's life-threatening she couldn't breathe properly she was kind of in and out of consciousness she just she had this really funny smell to her which had was ongoing for days in hindsight so yeah we didn't spot the signs first of all but I'm going to focus on the care planning. So we got diagnosed when Talia was five, so she was in primary school. So in our first care planning meeting with the school, which took place, there were quite a few teachers there. There were teaching assistants. I was there. I don't know if Mark... No, Mark wasn't there this time. And that's my husband, who Mark was at work. So I was there. Talia was there. 
the dietitian from the diabetes team was there and a couple of nurses were there. So from an MDT, from a multidisciplinary team approach, amazing, incredible, and it was in person. So could not fault the initial approach. But throughout the meeting, it just became very clear that it wasn't personalised care. It was like the diabetes told the school what they needed to do, irrespective of how we would approach a certain situation. So that was really hard. It was horrible. I I lost my rag <laughs> in the meeting. I Yeah, it was really, really hard. And it was a bit like, like not stranger, but like, can I sh- can I share my opinion on how I would support my daughter? And it was like, no, this is the protocol and this is what the school has to do. So there was no, it was not personalised whatsoever. And a good example would be Talia could only receive a hypo treatment if she was 3.9. And they still say that now. And it's like, well, actually, if we've got the tech and the tech is saying that she's five and rapidly going down why would we wait to 3.9 to do something about that why could we not intervene quicker or if talia is 3.9 and she's in a hypo having three glucose may send her high because she's quite sensitive so can she have two can she have two glucose tabs please no so it was not personalized whatsoever and it was a really horrible experience which i still remember vividly today (laughs) I think in the end I think moving forward I sent Mark to those meetings they only happen once a year but I do want to say Talia goes to at the time of recording goes to Hampton Primary School all of my children went to Hampton Primary School in Herne Bay and it was they're just so good like when people share their experiences with me and say the school have been crap the school don't listen I can't relate to that. I I always feel emotional talking about them. I I don't want Talia to leave that school. I'm like to the teacher, can you set up a like a secondary school? And I I really reflect like why why do I think the school was so good? And do you know what it is? I just think they're I'm gonna cry. They're just really warm. They're just, and they, it feels like they care. We've had a couple of scares at the school and I'll never forget, Tali had a low and she just couldn't get out of it and they ended up calling um, the ambulance. And the teachers, there was quite a few teachers and they just waited there. And I was like, oh, you can go now, it's fine, it's fine. They were like, no, no, we're going to wait. And everybody just looked so worried. They were just, yeah, they were just so, 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 so nice. And... It's just, it's been really easy. It really has. And, you know, like, if in doubt, call me. Call me or Mark, my husband, and we'll be there or we'll advise you over the phone. We've only had a couple of scares. There's been a a couple of incidences where I'm like, why have they done that? But it's, like, not been a problem. It's not been a problem whatsoever. And the teachers just manage it really well. We've got the tech, so that makes life, I'm sure that makes life a lot easier for them in regards to finger pricks and all of that stuff. So the first care planning experience was a bit of a nightmare. There was no personalisation at all and it felt like I had to ask permission 
to speak about my child and tailor the care plan to her needs. But that experience scarred me. So now Talia is 11 and we're thinking about the future and thinking about secondary school. I was like, I don't want to be in that situation again. And through lots of conversations, very coincidental conversations, it's really helped me approach the transition. We, we call it the transition. <laughs> Every child transitions from primary school to secondary school or grammar school, private school, whatever. But we have got the added complexity of her type 1 diabetes. And I have to be so careful with my words and I'm noticing like, I, I feel like I'm getting it wrong. I'm saying the wrong things. And that's been, that's hard. It's, I don't, is it a complication? It's, it's just part of Talia. It's just part of our lives, the type 1 diabetes. I don't want to say it in a bad, I don't want it to come across like it's a burden. It's just an added factor we have to consider. And the expectation moving forward is that she is going to be more independent in managing her condition, which is a bit scary, I'm not going to lie, because she is cocooned by teachers and mum and dad and everybody around her that supports her and says, Tali, you can check your levels. Tali, you okay? Like, we know, you know, like, I, and you know your kids. You know, I know when she, I know when she's low. I know when she's high. Without, without the tech telling me. And I'm sure the teachers do as well. So, everybody keeps telling me that's going to change. You know, secondary school's too big. They don't care. They've got loads of kids. All kids have got things wrong with them. And you know, like your child won't get special treatment, essentially. So that has been, that's the messages that I have been receiving. So I'm like, oh, F-U-C-K. <laughs> like, okay, what can we do to make this better or make the transition a little bit better? So one of the things we'd started to do is to like we Tali can't walk to school because we live too far but can we rather than drop her at the gate slowly like drop her at the end of the road drop her at the next road so we've been doing that and and picking her up from a slight you know making her walk just a little bit and there was one incident I wasn't there Mark picked her up but Mark was like she'd had a hypo and she'd fallen over in the road and you know like what what would have happened if Mark wasn't there? And we were like talking to Tali and was like, did you realise that you were feeling low? She was like, well, I'm not sure. But yeah, so that's scary. You know, like to know that she was going to be out there on her own, crossing roads. <laughs> it's like, we're not ready. She's not ready. <laughs> we're not ready. So it is really scary. And she's 11. She is a child. And I want her to be a child and act like a child. And I don't want her to have this huge responsibility. But this is where we are and want to equip her. So we've been doing little things like that at school, trying to get her, trying to not intervene too much. Lots of people have said, Mum, is it hard giving up control? I don't know. I don't. I want her to be more independent. 
I don't know really. I, I can't really answer that question, but there, that factor is there. I'm just not sure how I feel about it. So we've been doing that, trying to just lessen the prompts, make sure, and even that those terminologies, make sure she looks at her devices. But that's what we're trying to do in a kind, gentle, sympathetic, empathetic way. And then someone said to me, you know, like, you really need to start thinking about this now, Tara. And I think one change has been that I I don't think we have received any communication from the diabetes team to say, this is what happens at school, mum and dad. But there has there is a transition day for children that live with type 1 diabetes and it helps them to manage their condition and they're giving them activities and support but I don't think we have had any communication from the diabetes team to say it's time and this is what we're going to do so I've just taken that into my own hands so I've contacted the school recording this on the 9th Friday the 9th of June and I had my meeting with the school on the Monday the Monday just gone so the school have been really, so far they've been responsive. I, as a result of going to a Diabetes UK research peer support event, or like patient engagement event, all the kids were in one room, all the parents were in the other room. One of the mums shared that she was a teacher and that she'd created a letter for her school, for a child's school, which said like, this is Madison Madison's or I'm Madison I've got type 1 diabetes and this is how it affects me this is what the condition is and these are the things you need to just know about me and I thought that was fantastic so I asked her to send me the letter and that we created an adaption for Talia. I won't read the whole letter to you but I did put a little section it's called living with diabetes and I've put I must think about my diabetes all the time including in your lessons during tests and exams My diabetes is never stable. My glucose levels go up and down all the time, 24 hours a day. Did you know the average person with type 1 diabetes must make an extra 180 decisions, daily decisions, to manage this condition? This may affect my sleep, my mood, my ability to retain information. So I ask for your support, patience and understanding. And that's what I all I ask and that's what we have at my current school or our current school Talia's current school we have patience understanding and support so we wrote that letter and I sent it to the school and said can we have a meeting to discuss Talia's coming to your school and the support that you could put in place to support with her type 1 diabetes I got a message back not immediately but they set up the meeting and they had printed off the letter that I'd sent them they had shared their they were like this is so helpful thank you there were two teachers there one was the head of Senko and one lady was kind of like based on the student reception and we went through and they'd started to kind of draft the care plan and I must admit I was really impressed I said it wasn't Mark was like how was it and I was like they weren't really warm and friendly but they definitely listened to me I definitely I remember thinking like I really want to give a good impression and it, I hate to say this but the, even though the school is diverse and it, it does have lots of di- from ethnic backgrounds there which is great but I did think like I'm black I want to look 
I want to look professional. I just want to, I don't want to give them any reason within my control for them not to like me. And I did think that. So I went, I was so nervous. I was extra smiley. I just wanted to come like with an open mind and just like, this is going to be great. I'd meditated before. And I must admit, after the meeting, I didn't realise how stressed I'd been about it. Like I couldn't get any work done. And I just felt really drained from it. So we had the meeting. In that meeting, I said, what are your concerns about the condition? And they were very honest. And they said, well, look, primary school, everybody will know Talia. And everyone's been trained. But it's just not, it's not like that here. We've got loads of kids. They said, oh, she may come into interaction with like 25 different teachers. So the more the information, the better. And there was a couple of things that she said which made me feel like she was they were going above and beyond they were like actually let's do this or actually let's do that or make sure she's got this and so it was a really good meeting we both left with actions and I did say like because of my job I am going to write it down and I'm going to take like notes for the session so you know in this care planning process I took the leaders like the administrator like I she don't get me wrong they did write in the care plan but there were actions which needed to be you know like I wanted for avoidance of doubt and I wanted to be really clear on who said that they were doing what and I did say I'm sorry but I'm that mum and it was interesting like I apologized a lot in that meeting and Talia was there you know it's hard to talk about somebody when they're there and include them when they're so young I I did find that hard and it was like I don't want to I don't want to speak for her but sometimes me and Tali have got very different like Tali's like yeah I know what I'm doing and it's like well yesterday you forgot to put your carbs in and you were sky high for like (laughs) half of the day so you know it's one of those ones where I didn't say it like that but you know you know and you're like It is all about you, a hundred percent, but I am your parent and I know you, (laughs) like I know you pretty well. So that managing that is hard. You don't get taught this stuff, you know, like no one says to you, your child has got type 1 diabetes, mum. You know that you don't you don't get any training in the you get training in like the condition. You don't get any or I have not received any support on how to like manage the condition from like my child's interaction and the things that I should say and the things that I should do or anything like that. I mean, I don't think anybody does. You just work it out. So it's like parenting. You don't go on the parenting course. Although I did do NCT, so. I did get a little bit of help, but I didn't with this. So I am learning and I will say something. So a good example would be, I said, I feel really bad. Like I'm giving you extra work to do. And as soon as I said that, because I wanted to show that I appreciate that they've got lots to do. So that's why I said it. But then I was like, A, this is the job. Like this is the job. Like you care for people and lots of children will come with things. And I don't, I don't want to feel bad. Like, I don't want Tali to feel bad. So I, you know, when you're talking a bit like with the podcast, you're talking yourself, regulating what you're saying. And on the podcast, I can edit what I'm saying, but I can't in real life. So it was, you know, like, I just found it really difficult. It was a good meeting, productive meeting, 
but it was um, difficult. But we both came, both parties came away with actions. They do a lot at the school. I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed. And I say that was like phase one. So phase one, I went to the school, Talia was there. We're going to go back to review. They're going to kind of take on board what I have said. And then Talia's going to summer school. So before summer school, we're going to have a meeting to approve the care plan. And that meet, they said, come in and let's approve it and let's dot the I's and cross the T's. And I did say, in my experience, let's we'll definitely approve the care plan. But there may be some, in, something will happen which will trigger, oh, this is not quite right in the care plan. And I am up for that. I'm open for that. And there's no judgment because with this condition, you can say one thing. And even though we've been living with it for a long time, things change. She is growing. She's moving around a lot more. So she's going to be moving around, walking to school, walking, you know, walking around school. They did say between the PE block and like the other rest of the buildings there is a bit of a long walk and it might be a rush make sure they've got she's got extra snacks we need spares galore so they were really really helpful they have got children that have got type 1 diabetes in there and one of the teachers said something which I think if I had not I'd listened to a podcast featuring Stacey Dooley and one of the quotes, she, he was a broadcaster and journalist and the interviewer said to Stacey, how do you manage to have, you know, to have conversations with people who you fundamentally disagree with? You know, like she's talking to people from ISIS and they may have, oh, do you know, believe in really horrible things and racism and things like that how do you have a productive conversation with these people when you fundamentally disagree and Stacey had said it's just about trying and I don't understand their view but going in all guns blazing trying to get my point of view across is not helpful and I know that's an extreme example but that was like I was just listening to a podcast and that really resonated with me so when they said a few things that I thought "Mm, that's not quite right I wasn't like that's not right I was like oh um well from our point of view so I managed to really listen and go in with an open mind yeah there was a few prickly moments in the meeting but I think it's a, a lack of understanding and but that's okay because they don't have type 1 diabetes and I don't have type 1 diabetes so I'm saying things about my own daughter when I'm putting my foot in it they're saying things where I'm like well that's not quite right but it was I, it was like that's not our experience and in our experience we would prefer x y and z so that was really really good but one change in all of this is that as I said like I'm the parent carer administrator I am driving I feel like I'm driving this process and I should and that's fine but that is it's just a slight it's different when they're at primary school you 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 are swept up into this process there is an MDT and that MDT is great and it was interesting that in my work the, and they're trying to set up a long it's it's different they're trying to set up a like a long-term conditions contract and in the middle of this kind of care planning process is like a personalized care conversation and some of the clinicians were like well, why do we need that and I did think from my point of view I would love 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 loved in this process which I'm in now for someone to say mum are you okay 
because it's really stressful. I feel like I'm going to cry. Because it's stressful. And it's, it's different. And everything is different. And everything has got context. And everything is nuanced. But in this current process... And I know it's not about me and I feel selfish for saying, like, what about me? But I don't have any support. Nobody's saying, these are the things you need to think about it. I'm beg borrowing and stealing and asking people what is the best approach. And it would be nice if in this personalised care planning process, it's just me and the school. There's no, as at the moment, there's no diabetes team the school are getting diabetes trained, but that is all online. All teachers are doing the online training. There's no members of the diabetes team going into school. And I accept that, you know, like I 100% do. So the personalised, I mean, no one, I mean, Tali gets it in, she'll get it, it's, I think it's called a two, six, two, seven day where they do activities and things like that. But as the mum, what, could be a tick box exercise to you as the professional would mean a real a, a lot to me right now because I did sort of saying to Mark like my foot my eating's really gone awry like I usually I don't eat after like eight o'clock and it's like I'm eating junk food like at 11 o'clock at night at 12 o'clock at night like I think that's a sign all is not well <laughs> like I'm a big meditator and I think I can manage my emotions, but the fact that I'm crying on the podcast and I'm not going to edit it out is that it is stressful. And I have to find my own resources, my own support to help me with this. So thinking about the whole point of this episode is about personalised care planning. I'm talking about it from a parent's point of view for a child. I have to find my own resources to support this. And it was really interesting. I Googled in the car, not when I was driving, like where like where do carers go to discuss supporting somebody with a long-term condition? <laughs> Very specific. And what came up actually was the, the signs of carer burnout. And it did say like your appetite or... You know, like you may notice changes in your eating habits. You might stop, you know, be eating less or eating more. I'm eating more junk food, unfortunately. I think my sleep is definitely affected. And I just feel stressed. I just feel like a bit overwhelmed. There was a long list of actions that I took from that meeting. But it was really helpful. So all the point I'm just trying to make is the parents need support. And do you know what? And when I say support, it is somebody to go, are you all right, mum? And just give me a few minutes for me to have a cry. And then me say, thank you for asking. And then I'd be okay. It's not all doom and gloom because I do have this, I do have the resources. Sometimes I just need to be reminded of them. So there is DigiBeat, which is an online resource, which I need to go back into and see what they are. There'll be things there. There's Diabetes UK. To wrap this up, I think there's like four initial phases to introduce Tali to her new school with type 1 diabetes. The first phase was like the planning phase so me writing the letter me booking the meeting the school obviously booking the meeting on their part and them planning 
So that was the first kind of the pre-planning and then we had the planning meeting. We've both got actions. We'll then come back to approve the care plan. And then the school did say, do you know what? When everything is settled down and we know who Talia's teachers are going to be, let's have a like a care plan review with all of the teachers, all of the people that she's going to be regularly interacting with towards the middle and end of term one. And in between them, I will be, you know, like I'll be there, I'll be taking Talia to school initially and we're going to just, you know, like one thing at a time. It's not going to be like, right, you're going to walk to the bus stop, get on the bus, do everything yourself. It's like, we'll take you to school, we'll pick you up. And I want her, you know, when she's at home, I, I did say to my husband, you know, like, I'm happy to just put that cocoon around her. She's got a lot to manage at school, making new friends, diabetes, hormones. When she's at school, she's going to have to pull it together a little bit. But when she can come, when she's at home, there's, you know, like she can relax and know that we'll be, you know, we'll be there to, we will be constantly checking and making sure that she's good and safe. So that is where we are. It's a lot for parents. It is. And it's a lot for the school. And I will do everything I possibly can to make the transition easier for the school. I've sent them like videos and resources, but not too like, not like here's an hour video. <laughs> please can you read that and then listen to this podcast it's like here's like a one minute video created by diabetes uk here's a one page fact sheet so just trying to make the information easy to digest i'm taking notes just so we're both clear and i'm taking the lead on that and i am sharing my experiences and i'm i'm willing happy and ready to take on and other people's advice. I did a webinar with the DGB and the JDRF sharing my transition tips. But, you know, until she's at school, I won't know if any of this pans out. So I will do a follow-up episode and hopefully I'll be coming to you with good news. My expectations are it's going to be up and down. Nothing's going to be perfect. And when things go if anything does go wrong I say wrong or anything when when it's down it's to come at it with a perspective of how can we let can we just understand what's happened and is there anything we can do to prevent this so I need to just be I need to be kind and compassionate to other people and not be like it's all about me it's all about Talia and what's happened so I really that's my that's the position I want to adopt in all of this so I'm going to stop now I hope that you could follow this I hope that it was somewhat interesting if you are part of that care planning process I understand that if you are a clinician it's slightly different if you're a clinician and you're doing you know chronic disease reviews or there's a transition in care the, the personalised care bit, you may think, oh, don't want to do that bit. <laughs> or this is duplication, or I'm not the best person to do this. I understand it. But from a patient's perspective, it is really helpful and it is really nice. And I definitely think it will, it will improve outcomes all around to have the conversation around how you're feeling about this, signposting to resources just acknowledgement it's okay it's okay 
that it's a bit tricky right now, but this is support we can put in place. And, you know, we're just a, you can contact us when you need us and we'll do all that we can to support you. Thank you for listening. I hope that you've found this helpful. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in in the next episode.